to Building Stronger Creatives, a fitness podcast for musicians, artists, nerds, and former misfits. I'm a former out-of-shape professional musician turned personal trainer and nutrition coach to hundreds of clients, and I'll give you no-nonsense information about what it really takes to get and stay fit within the context of a creative life. Here, you'll find practical advice on strength and endurance training, sane and simple nutrition, habit building, and time management tools to help you make lifestyle changes that actually stick. Most fitness coaches have no clue what it really means to be a creative, whether you're a professional or a passionate hobbyist. I'm different. I've been where you are, and I share your values. Let me show you how you can use the gym to build a kick-ass creative life. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Building Stronger Creatives. I'm your host, Caroline Juster, and today we have a guest interview for you. I'm really excited to speak to Corey Kripe. For some anyone who doesn't know, I've, I've spoken about it on this podcast before, but I actually worked with Corey. He was my online coach for the first half of 2022, and I had a really great experience working for him. I hired him because, well, we're going to talk about all the things that he does and and that was specifically relevant to what I wanted to do, but I have a lot of respect for Corey. He is really great at teaching complicated things and making them easy to understand, and he's a pretty fun guy, so I'm looking forward to this uh, conversation today. So, Corey, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Oh, boy. Well, uh, first of all, you know, I'm grateful for you having me on and saying all those kind words. I appreciate that. Um, I just hope that you're not too low in your guest needs that you get to the bottom <laughs> of the barrel with me. Uh, but here we are. And um, yeah, you were a blast to work with and uh, too much fun because it's always good when you have those clients that understand things and it makes your job a little bit easier. You know, you're just giving them what they need and you don't have to be so heavily coaching, right? You got some tweaks here and there. Um, but I guess you asked more about me. <laughs> and uh, uh, You know... Born and raised in Wisconsin, um, you know, I always say there's northern Wisconsin and there's northern Wisconsin. I was just from northern Wisconsin. Uh, like most people in our in our uh, profession, as I got into the weight training um, around junior high, high school, and it developed all the things that weight training does for a young person. We build confidence as we build a stronger body and we feel like that this is such a great thing. And, you know, as we're doing this, we want to share it with others. And somehow I ended up going to UW-Lacrosse where I currently have my business. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I graduated from a class of 60 kids. And yeah, so a lot of people, and some people I meet and they're like, that's a big class. <laughs> so, um, but with the 60 kids, you know, I mean, I, I excelled in all the things because, I don't know what else you're going to do, you know, mathematics, biology, stuff like this. So when I went to UWL and I went to UWL for a couple of reasons, reason number one is that nobody from my high school was going there. So I kind of wanted to escape a little bit. Reason number two is that I was close enough to home, but I was far enough away. So if any emergency happened where I needed to go home, I could. And I just love the area. I drove down for a, um, uh, campus visit in my my high school year and just the bluffs the Mississippi River and the layout of the town the city I was just like this is beautiful and I didn't realize I'd be living here you know as much in my adult life as I have but I'm very I'm very blessed to do so so yeah I remember I remember walking in for orientation in the summer and they're just like well what are you good at what do you want to do 
And I said, well, I, I guess I'm good at biology and science. And they're like, all right, we'll make you a biochem major. I'm like, okay. And I had no idea what that meant. And they're like, but you know, your first semester, we're going to give you the lowest level of credits that you can have to be a full-time student, which was 12. And I just remember out of the 12 credits, like how much labs I had. And I didn't, being a small town boy, I had no idea about weighted classes. So when I had a course that was four credits, I thought getting a C was okay, but no. And I'm like, hey, I'm getting an A in this one credit class. Like I'm rocking it. I've got a couple C's and a couple A's were good, but it really didn't turn out that way. And somehow I stumbled on the fact that UWL had a program for fitness. And I was like, well, that's interesting. And I went to go apply and all this. So it's technically it's the, um, you graduate with your bachelor's in exercise and sports science. There was an emphasis in fitness. And then there was a concentration in strength conditioning. So that's where my path led me. I enjoyed my time at UWL, graduated in 2001. And then of course, once you graduate, it's always funny, right? Because it's like, what parent is like, I just can't wait till Corey grows up and becomes a personal trainer. Now, to be honest with you, my mom and my stepfather were very accepting. Like they, they were very encouraging of this because they were the ones in the weight room with me when I was growing up. I used to train with my old man. I didn't train with my friends in high school. We actually went to another gym. And the great thing about my stepfather, I mean, I, I say so many good things about him. He's a lumberjack by trade. And if you're thinking about like the old Vikings, you know, the big, long red beard and the long red hair braided, that was this guy. And he would be in the woods for eight to 10 hours a day, but yet he would still pick me up and we go to the weight room for two hours. <laughs> just like, and that's what we did. So they were very, I mean, for them, this was just natural. Now, how do you see yourself graduating and like living a life of a personal trainer? Well, it's not easy, obviously, but that's what happened. And I was fortunate with all these, it's fun looking back now, graduating over 20 years ago, being in the industry for over 20 years to kind of look back at that trail and just see like, wow. That was interesting how this came to be. But here I am uh, living my best life right now. Got my beautiful family. I've Somehow I've been blessed to be in charge of a business. I still don't know how that happens. Like daily, I just, I've got such a wonderful staff. I'm like, I don't know why I'm in charge, but I guess I am. So, so that's a brief snippet of my life. I'd love for you to talk a little more about the gym that you have, because as far as I can tell, you have a pretty unique setup in terms of the way you guys coach and the equipment that you use. And uh, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about that, since people listening may not be familiar with your gym. Uh, fitness lying down. <laughs> I feel like I have a lot of stories I have to share about this, because then everybody's going to hear like fitness lying down. They're like, what is this? All right. So. My last professional gig was a really sweet job. I was a corporate wellness instructor. Uh, and this, this position, the job, the company, their, their mission was to hire people with disabilities. So they would have like peace rates. So there wasn't like minimum wage, it'd be sub-minimum. So based on the people's ability levels, and they're doing all these auditing and testings to just make sure that everything is kosher in regards to that they're not getting underpaid, right? but you had people of different levels of functioning. So you got some people that are putting out like, let's say a hundred pieces a minute and some people that are putting out five pieces a minute. So we had to make sure the the playing field was level because it's just not fair to pay people hourly based on that. And it's a nonprofit business. And so what they did is they built a, a corporate wellness center to give to the employees and they hired me. And that was just a remarkable thing because I was struggling as a fitness professional at that point you know, working at the gym, but 
serving tables, uh, one side of the kitchen, and then cooking meals on the other side of the kitchen. I mean, there was a lot of things going on to support my to my uh, my wife at the time because it was just her and me. And then all of a sudden I get this opportunity and I strike out and it's like, okay, first of all, I get a salary that's insane for a fitness person. I get benefits. I get paid vacation. Like you don't get that in fitness. Uh, you know, if you take a day off, you better make sure you've trained enough clients previously. Now, this is different now because I'm smarter about this. But when I was one-on-one -on -one training, I mean, if I want to take a day off, I had to make sure I pushed all my clients around so I could kick some butt. But, you know, I got paid to take off of work. That was awesome. And, you know, working with people with disabilities, I tell you what, for nine years I did this and I learned so much about coaching. And this was the job actually that I first started getting involved with Perform Better because they, in order to keep my NSCA, CSCS, a certified strength conditioning specialist, you know, my special trainer certificate. So people know that I'm higher above everyone else, whatever. Um, you got to keep your education going. And so I approached my boss and said, listen, you're, I'm working for you. I'm in, like, I need to keep my education going so I can keep my certification. Could you pay for this? And I was, or I actually said, can I get some help on this? Expecting maybe like a little bit of a, a help, you know, whatever. And she's like, absolutely. She's like, what do you want to do? And my first thing is I did is I went to a national, so the NSCA, the National Strength Conditioning Association, was having their first ever functional training summit in Colorado Springs. So I'm like, I want to go there. Shoot, I get a plane ticket. I get a nice room. Um, I get a, a, sh a chauffeur from the airport to the room. And I mean, I couldn't believe I got that, but I did. And then I come back and she's just like, once a year, you have to pick something because you need to keep your education. And I started just going to perform better. And the sweet thing about Perform Better when I went was that, you know, the venue is usually, uh, at the time it was in McCormick and it was at the Hyatt. And I know a lot of people like the Hyatt's pretty expensive, but my company paid for me to just stay at the Hyatt. I got parking. It was like, this is sweet. But as, as people grow in education and knowledge and the setup was really good. I don't know if any of your listeners know, but they had the line of free motion equipment. So free motion is based on like the cables and pulleys. So it's not like set weights where, you know, it's not machine-based training where the machine dictates your movement. And so I was pretty cool with that because at the time I was really emphasizing myself as a, a functional trainer, a functional fitness coach. And when they told me that they were going to have machines, because this is a brand new building, they actually built the building itself. And I had to spend a month before training anybody to lay the floor and get everything set. So I like had to help clean out that building and get it set going, which is a cool experience. And it gave me ownership though. That's what they wanted. They wanted me to feel like I had some skin in this game. But when they told me in my interviews, like they had a bunch of machines, I'm like, hmm, I'm kind of out. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I don't want to train with machines, especially with the population that you're talking about. They need more than that. And they're like, well, free motion, does that mean anything? I'm like, holy smokes. Because free motion is a pretty top line when it comes to like gym equipment. And so, but I started growing in knowledge and I'm just realizing as much as I was proclaiming myself as like functional training and I use my air quotes, I was just doing some kind of, you know, special bodybuilding exercises. You know, I wasn't really doing what we know now. And that's kind of our tagline. Part of the way here at Fitness Line Down is know better, do better, be better. So if you know better, you got to elevate your game. You just can't know better and leave it at that. And I started changing the way I was training people in the gym because guess what? The job itself is all manufacturing. They were making uh, outerwear for the military. They were contract-based. They had no idea about fitness. I was the only person that knew about fitness. 
But the person in charge of me, the, the president of the company was my direct supervisor. She was big into the biggest loser. And if I was doing things that were like biggest loser kind of, I had her approval. But when I started going to more natural movement patterns, I was getting influenced by some of this because I'll tell you, maybe you know, um, if any of your listeners are in the fitness industry, any profession you're in, you start losing steam. You know, you just start getting burnt out. And it's like, man, I'm tired of counting people's reps. And I'm, count you know, it's like, am I really making a difference? And I was ready to leave the fitness industry. I was ready to just say goodbye. And then I just started finding out about natural movement. I'm like, this is interesting. Because all my life has been barbells and dumbbells and machine-based training because I was doing bodybuilding things for myself. And that's what I was doing for my clients. But this natural movement really got me going. And I started doing it first myself because any trainer worth their salt doesn't just see something on the internet. And at the time, let's be honest, there wasn't a lot of internet. I mean, you had to, all this stuff was on YouTube. Facebook, if I still remember correctly, Facebook was only for college students when that was become like when yeah, I was getting into fitness. Until about 2006 or 2007, it was just college kids. So that's how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> I had to search on YouTube for this stuff. Like it wasn't available because I couldn't get Facebook. I didn't have a college ID or a college email. So I was just like, I was immersing myself into this. And I was realizing how much better I was feeling physically and how much more mobile I was feeling. And, you know, didn't know it at the time, but stable. I just felt more balanced in my body. And the funny thing was that I stopped doing barbell training and I was going slowly into this movement, uh, natural movement-based training. And when I went back to barbells after like doing this for about three months, I noticed like my squats were actually heavier. Like I was able to push more weight. And one of the reasons I'll tell you why, one of the things, and you know, I know you talked about fitness line down, but this is a culmination of where I get to is barefoot training. How amazing it is to be barefoot and how much stronger you could be. Because when I first got underneath the bar at the time I was doing barbell back squats, and I'm like, I'm going to go barefoot. So I'm probably going to use less weight than I did at when I stopped doing barbell back squats. And it took me like a couple of sets before I realized like, this is really easy. And then when I put on a little more weight, my feet, I could just feel the integration through my foot and the floor, my feet and the floor that helped me to be stronger. Yeah, as an aside, um, I have had a similar experience with squats specifically that when I started focusing more on my feet and like, honestly, not even anything else that made a huge difference in my squat. So focusing on like engaging the floor with my feet, interacting, you know, spreading, and then even like taking the shoes off. I noticed it specifically with squats and squats have been a movement that I have struggled with. Mm -hmm. I, I always say, I know I told, said this to you and you sort of like laughed at me before, but I have long femurs. So if you're trying to back squat, like I was when I was trying to be a power lifter, um, I mean, I guess I was a power lifter briefly. I did actually did a meet, but you know, back squatting is really difficult when you're built that way. So anyways, I always struggled with squats, but when I started doing more barefoot squatting and thinking more about my feet and building stronger feet in general, it like made my squats so much better. So I also had a similar experience. Yeah, hundred percent. And I've always had a good squat. I was actually told by two professional strength conditioning coaches, how great my squats were. And, but I, you know, long femurs aside, I, I don't, <laughs> it's my excuse. Well, it, you gotta let me have this one. That's my know, that sounds like me and my, my <laughs> I, I'm no good at bench pressing because I have long arms, but well, the, the one thing is it's not so much the femur, I believe it is, the barbell training, because when you put a barbell in your back, that totally changes the mechanics of your squat. And so when you can find more natural ways to do a squat, the way you're meant to squat, we're not meant to squat with bars on our back. And, you know, we'll talk probably sure about this, but when you can honor that movement pattern, 
it doesn't matter, you know, if you got a short, long femur or, you know, if your metatarsals are such, you know, it's like, it all works out because this is, this is your squat pattern. Anyway. So I started going into the movement-based stuff and all my clients, even especially the people with disabilities were really loving it. Like they, they found it to be fresh instead of like coming in and getting beat up, which we were doing. If it was like a good physical activity for them, yeah, where they're still sweating, they're still breathing hard, but they weren't leaving like destroyed. And this is a problem with the fitness industry. And I could go off on that. I started rethinking about stuff. And as I was rethinking, well, I, I lost favor with the, the president of the company. And after nine years of being employed with impeccable performance reviews, I was fired. And that got the ball rolling. And my wife, at one point, she's like, there was a point where I wanted to own my own gym freshly out of college. And I was newly married. And she said, no way, because we're not going to become bankrupt. And I was so hurt. I was so hurt by that. But she was so right. She was absolutely right. Because I would have had some gym with a ridiculous amount of square footage. I would have taken out so many loans so I could have all the barbells and all this stuff. And Corey suffers from pride and arrogance. And I would have just been like, I'm so good at what I do. I have a four-year degree. I had an awesome internship. I have experience. Nope. She's just like, you're not doing it. And she goes, you need experience. That's what she told me. And I'm like, what a shot to the belly. It's like, oh my goodness. Like I have experience. She's like, you, got, you got no experience. You're two days out of college. You know, it's like, what do you got? So I did. I gathered the experience. Like I said, as I learned, I started working with more and more people because the more clientele you can work with, yes, the more experience you have. And she just, one day uh, when I was unemployed, she's like, I think it's time to look into your own gym now. She goes, you have something that nobody else is offering in the area. You have a unique niche. You should, you should go on that. And so I started on that path and that was in the summer of 2014. By November of 2014, I had my brick and mortar going. In January of 2015, we moved from a downtown location uh, into a historic footwear building here in La Crosse. So it's a really cool building. And we've been rocking and rolling since then. And yes, the setup is different. And I'm so glad that I waited because I would have been totally hawking everything back to the bank with barbells and platforms and you know this racks we have sandbags and kettlebells and bands and i remember when i was looking for business loans because i thought that's the way i had to go i i had no idea just a young guy want to start a business like well i need a business loan because x y and z and i remember going to the various banks and they're like well your business plan sounds solid you know i had i had the whole like presentation set up and I was going in with my equipment and showing them. And they're like, we think that this could be successful, but we can't back it. I'm like, why not? They're like, well, cause you have no capital. Like we don't want your sandbags and your resistance bands. You know, it's like, that means nothing to us. And you know, it, it hurt, but it's true. So I did find at one point, one bank's like, well, we can't give you a business loan, but we can give you a line of credit. And it's like, well, shoot. If I would have known that, I would have been asking for that instead of a business loan because it's it's less um, scary, I guess. So, you know, it's just like having a credit card, but you get a little bit more money. And, and I didn't have to use much of that line of credit, but we just started. And I think it's because we offered such a unique thing. And it's not unique. We're not being different just to be different. Our difference was actually because it works. You know, so many people get burned by fitness because trainers... I don't know if we just think we're some kind of military leader or something where we have to, you know, boot camps and all this. 
at one point that might have been a cool phase and it might have been like kind of the hot thing. And I know some locations are still boot camps, but who wants to do a boot camp? Like who wants to get destroyed? Why not come to a gym where you're going to get that physical activity? You're going to feel better. Like our goal here at Fitness Line Down is always that the people leave feeling better than when they arrived. And I'm not talking about that euphoric, hey, we almost died together. I feel so good about that. You know, because there is that, right? There's that camaraderie like, hey, we just survived this group session, almost puked. I I am going to have to ice my knees for a while, but we did it. We did it together. That's not the feeling I'm talking about. I'm talking about the feeling like you walk in and you're like, my shoulder's jacked up because I did something over the weekend. Hey, we got you covered. We're going to give you a session that's going to be shoulder friendly. We're not avoiding the shoulder because we know better, but we're going to use the shoulder and you're going to feel better about it. And yeah, they walk up, they're like, oh, I feel better about it. But the funny thing though, back with the name, is that when I was at my previous uh, employment and the president of the company, as I was starting to do more of this natural movement pattern stuff, there was a lot of like rolling and rocking on the floor and crawling. And she told me, uh, she's like, you have to stop doing all this fitness line down expletive. I'll keep it PG. And I just like, that kind of stuck with me. And so, but here we go. The people, uh, cause we were serving the, the managers and all that stuff. And so the managers, the other employees that weren't disabled technically, because I do believe we all have our disabilities, they were saying that I should start a blog because they're like, oh, I've never heard, I've never seen this stuff in my life. Like you should write about this. And so I went to WordPress. I actually invested, you know, I could have my free blog site, but I actually put some money into it. And they're saying, Hey, you got to come up with a unique title. And I'm like, Hmm, my fitness lying down. And then as soon as I start that, I kid you not, you can't make this up. Like a day later, I get a call from WordPress asking me if it was an adult site. <laughs> that seems like a bit of a stretch to me. It does, right? And it's just like, I'm like fitness lying down. I mean, okay, but you guys got to get your mind out of the gutters. They're like, well, we're against that kind of stuff. I'm like, me too. So it's it's a fitness website, legit fitness. And I mean, that's how we came to be. So yeah, our gym is very limited in equipment, which is kind of funny because when you go, you know, I've, I've done certifications in Chicago, right? We've been at the, I always want to say FCC. Is that right? FFC. FFC. Yeah. FFC, FCC, something else. You know, you got like all the pieces of equipment, you got all these options. And for the most part, for having access to all this equipment, your membership fee is relatively low. Now I say that because I know some of these places can charge more, but there's more amenities. But the fact is, you're like, you got every piece of machinery underneath the sky available to you. And you're paying like a little bit amount of money. Well, here, what's funny is that we don't have a lot of equipment, but you're paying more than you would at another place because you're not paying for the equipment. When you're at those other places, you're renting equipment. That's all you're doing. You need to pay for the professionals and you're paying for the coaching. So when you're coming here, not, you're not renting my equipment. You can easily have sandbags at your own house. Do you know what you're going to do with them? Are you going to be able to set yourself on a program that's going to help you out? And so that's what our clients pay for. And, you know, the one thing I was talking about is like kind of the, the ADD um, paralysis by analysis, you know, you get a lot of new people that, especially the beginning of the year, right? Like everybody wants to go in and start uh, their new year's resolution. And they're like, all right, I'm going to get a gym membership. I'm going to start this, you know, and they got the best of intentions. That's what I love about it. But then they walk in and us in the fitness industry fail. I'm like, here's a million pieces of equipment you have at it. And there's like, I don't know how to use any of this. I guess I'll just go to the treadmill because that's what I know. 
And then how long can you successfully have a program on a treadmill before you just get burnt out? Or at least until the weather gets nice, we can justify like, you know, I'm not paying a lot of money for this gym. I can, I can sacrifice 20 bucks a month, 30 bucks a month, not to go to the gym. You know, when I want to go, I'll go, but I'm going to walk outside today. I, I don't know if that answered all your questions. Like, <laughs> no, no, it's good. It's good. I, I really go around. So if any of your <laughs> listeners don't know who I am or I have, I have a very good gift of taking, you know, you said it takes complex things to make it simple. Well, I can take a really small thing and make it a large thing. Too. <laughs> I do the same thing too. So yeah, I mean, we share a lot of the values. I love a lot of what you said. I mean, I also believe that a lot of people are being done a lot of disservices by the fitness industry in general. And it's interesting that I'm, I am interested in the fact that a lot of people come to you having been burned because I feel like a lot of trainers that are trying to do more of this type of work with people, they actually run into the problem where people hire them and then they want to be, you know, beaten over the head with these hard workouts and the trainers then in the position of having to convince them. I remember I was at um, a workshop last year with actually another one of my coaches and he was talking about cardio and conditioning training and doing like lower intensity types of things and someone in the audience raised her hand and she was like how do you get your clients to do this because I try to do it with them and they're like bored and they're not having it so I'm curious like do you find that most of the people that come to fitness lying down sort of have an idea of what you guys are all about or do you also have to do some convincing I mean or do you just tell those people that you're not the right place for them like what's your experience been with that yeah I mean there's been a lot of different walks of life that have come through our doors and it's yeah we do have we've built our reputation now like when you first start you're desperate for clients you're gonna take almost anybody but it's always funny I, I talk about the fact that I feel like females happen to be a little bit more open to new things like men Monday's still national bench press day and I'm gonna do everything I did in high school because those are my glory years and so when I was benching 215 pounds, whatever, 225. I'm going to do that now as a 50 year old male. Like I'm just going to go ahead and do that. Where women, I think women have a, a great tendency of being smarter where they're like, you know what, this is not working for me. I'm going to quit. You know, I'm just going to move on to another thing. And unfortunately we don't give them enough because a lot of times it's always like the same pig, but with different lipstick, you know, you enter a new gym. It's like, same thing, just different colors, different people, maybe a different atmosphere but it's a lot of the same things over and over again. So as we built up our reputation of not, not burying people, because let's be honest, burying people, you know, destroying people, destroying clients is really easy to do as a fitness professional. Yeah, it actually is for anyone listening. It's like very easy to do. It's much harder to do what Corey's saying and give someone a workout that where they leave feeling better than when they showed up. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, it's just like, oh, you wanna you wanna die today? Well, let's do burpees. <laughs> let's do burpees for time. All right, fifty on, ten seconds off. Let's go. Where whereas now, and this is where we had to elevate ourselves as professionals. You come into my gym, and again, you're not use, you're not renting my equipment. You are purchasing my experience. You're purchasing my knowledge and who I am, my coaching, my program design. So you have. To, it's like I don't go to the mechanic and say. I don't, I don't think you're doing that right. You know, I'm just going to trust that they know what they're doing. And if there's a mistake, then I'm going to go at to them. So like if they fix my car fix and I drive down the street and it blows up or what have you, I'm be like, Hey, I just came. What happened? Oh, sorry. I made a mistake. Okay. Well, mistakes are human. You know, how are you going to fix it for me? What are you going to do? If I promise somebody we're going to help them with something and I really don't like the promise. So I don't do many promises, but I talk about how we have the opportunity to make them better 
And if they're down the road and they're just like, you know what? You told me my shoulder is probably going to improve, but it's gotten worse. I'm going to fire you. That That's your choice. Like I didn't, I didn't help you out. But when it comes to the point and especially fitness professionals, you'll be amazed how many of your clients actually want, want to hear you say, you don't have to go overboard. We don't have to get nuts today. I don't have, you don't have to be sore for days. There's more people out there that want to hear that. They want to be just jacked, you know, that just, and by jacked, I mean, they want to be destroyed in their session. Now I have the ability to do that and I can do that very smartly as well. Like I don't have to just destroy somebody just for the sake of, I just want them to be dead for days. I can easily take somebody with the knowledge that I have and I can give them a lot of like, maybe it's funny on the surface as they're doing that session, they're not thinking it's very intense, but they might come back to me the next couple of days. Be like I'm really sore. You know, and I don't remember using like heavy weights. I don't remember going very hard. I'm just like, well, you're welcome. You know, it's just like, <laughs> but there are, and we do have some clients that actually, so we always talk about, we don't chase soreness here. Like we don't let soreness be an indicator of how your session went. Your successful session has nothing to do with how much you sweat, how sore you are, how, how you can barely walk down the stairs, right? This is not an indicator of your successful session. A successful session in my mind is something that a few days later, you might have a little soreness, especially if you've been introduced to something new, but it's not debilitating, right? You're not going to be losing sleep because every time you roll over, your body just aches. You don't have to ice your knees. You don't have to rest your shoulder. You feel, like I said, you feel better leaving than when you arrive. That's a successful session. Uh, so yeah, it, it's it's sometimes, and I, I will be honest with you, right now I have a couple gentlemen. I love them so much because they're hard workers. But I have to talk them down to the fact of, and the one guy, I, I'm convinced that people that join us are very smart. And the one guy is very smart, actually. He's a young guy, and I don't know what he does for a living, but I don't think he works as hard as he wants to. I think he made some smart investment choices. Anyway, the one day he was telling me, he's like, you know, Corey, I'm a pretty strong guy. And I'm like, yeah, you are. He's like, but I'm finding out I'm an unbalanced strong guy. And he is so... We talk about sometimes like farm strength, like farm boy strong is, you know, I've heard this terminology and there's something we said about this because where I grew up, I grew up in a place where there was a lot of rural farms and there was a lot of farm kids and I'm pumping iron in the gym, but on the playing field, I'm getting my butt handed to me by these farm kids that weigh less than me that look like nothing, but they're tossing me around. And it's because that they have so much more integration. I'm busy doing bodybuilding exercises. Like how big does your bicep need to tackle somebody? It doesn't. Um, so these guys are like throwing hay bales or milk and cows. They're, you know, running these chores after school, after football practice, you know, how amazing is that? And so, but the farm boy strong, as much as some people idolize that it's, it's an incomplete strength because it's, it's a muscle strength. And we have to get into, I joke around a lot, but I say that we take the T out of fitness. And we make a finesse because I preach this all the time. Strength is not about how much you lift. It's how efficiently you can move. So when you have a load, how efficiently can you move in space with that load? When you're a farm boy and you're getting through the chores and all of a sudden it's like you do something and your back goes, well, guess what? You still continue through the chores. You muscle through that pain to get the chores done because you only have so much sunlight. So what I'm teaching this guy is not how to use his muscles but how to use his body efficiently in movements. And he's slowly coming around to it. Now that's, there have been people, I'll be honest, like we have bring a friend a week or something and somebody brings their friend who belongs to a CrossFit gym. And I, I'm not phased by this anymore. Even earlier in my FLD career, I want to try to impress them. 
basically it's like, you know what? I'm going to show them what we do. If they don't like it, I'm confident what we do. I I'm confident what I do. I don't need this person in my gym. If they don't want to join my gym, I don't need them. I hope that they have great success wherever they go. And so they'll come and, you know, I'll hear sometimes like, yeah, my friends just didn't think it was too intense. And I'm just thinking, what is success? Too intense. I was too intense. So you got these people. And that's the funny thing is the, the professionals, like the professional CrossFitters and the professional power lifters and all this, they don't want things too intense all the time either. But it's all these recreational people that just want to get that burn. You know, they just, they want to feel that workout. They want to have that training effect in a major way. And it's like, do you really need that? I don't, I don't think so. That's such a good point. I don't think a lot of people understand what even goes into being like, let's just say CrossFit, for example, because it's an easy example. People think, okay, these CrossFitters, when they compete in the CrossFit games, they're doing these, you know, workouts of the day. And they think that's how they train all the time. They just go hard and do these random workouts every time. And that's totally not what they do. Um, so it's like you have these athletes, you know, athletes, if you think of them that way, that are competing at a high level. And then you have the general population people who want to be like them that aren't even training like that. They go to their CrossFit gym and this has actually gotten a lot better. I don't know how much you see of different boxes, but I've actually seen quite a lot of improvement in this, but people will go to a CrossFit gym and the box will just like hammer them into the ground. And these people, because they don't know, they think that they're going to end up like a CrossFit Games athlete, but ultimately they just end up getting injured. You know this because I've had a lot of these clients myself and it's definitely like, um, it, there's just like a lot of smoke and mirrors and people don't really understand that like to actually get really fit or strong or whatever your goal is, you don't train to 10 out of 10 every time like that's not what that's not what athletes do and that's not what you should be doing either so i i couldn't agree more with you there this is a good segue i want to know like so a lot of the people that i work with want to lift weights either they're not lifting weights or like they've been doing it for a while but they feel like they're not getting great results and a lot of these people one of their main goals is to get stronger so i want to know for you i'm sure you have a lot of people that come to your gym as well and they say corey i want to get strong so you know, maybe let's say not someone who's like a complete beginner, but, but someone who's maybe been lifting weights, dabbling here and there. They come to your gym, they want to get stronger. Like, what are some of the things that you're going to do with them to help them get there? Yeah, well, great question. You know, number one thing is I want to kind of make sure I identify that, you know, what we call sandbag training is strength training. Because I know I see hashtags like sandbag training and all this. And, you know, can you actually get strong doing sandbags? I don't know, man. After like nine years of doing this, I feel pretty strong. <laughs> you know, like I, and what, I guess the quick question is, is when people come and they say, I want to get strong, what, what is strong? Like, how do you, how do you measure strength? Now, there's a lot of different ways, you know, I mean, again, I'm a, I've been in the system, like I went to school for this. So it's like, we've been told how to measure strength. And a lot of it is the big threes, you know, like, so some people will, put them up to the big three. Like, what do you squat? What do you bench press? And what do you deadlift based on your age, based on your, you know, if you're male or female, this is going to have some, you know, factors into there, but what are these ultimate ways that you're lifting? Does, does, does the common public, does the general public need to measure themselves up that way? I don't think so. I tell people, it's like, how much weight do you actually lift at one time during your day? Like what's the heaviest weight that you would lift at one time during your day? you're not lifting 200 pounds. You're not, you're not putting 300 pounds on your back and squatting. And so that's one way that we start separating like the functionality of strength. Now, if your sport, if you are a power lifter and your sport is to get the big three, well, then that's you. You have to do that. That's your sport. 
But as I mentioned, it is a sport. And like any athlete in a sport, CrossFit, football, bodybuilding, I mean, all these things are sports. You're going to get injured. You're going to have wear and tear in your body. This is what you do for competitive reasons. But this is your full-time gig. Like if you're a competitive power lifter, you're getting paid to do this. You know, like you're a professional boxer. You're getting paid to train to box. If you're, if you're working in an office eight to 10 hours a day and you want to go replicate that, your lifestyles don't match. So back to being strong. As I mentioned earlier, I view strength as being efficient. Think about when you throw something. The farther you throw something doesn't mean that you have bigger muscles. It means your body moved efficiently. It moved together. You had what we call stability, motor control. So it was about the right muscles firing at the right time, the same time that the right muscles were firing or turning off. That's stability. That's motor control. That's actually going to determine strength. And I remember it never made sense until I just got into the DVRT, dynamic variable resistance training. We just talked about strength being neural. So let's talk about that for a second. Maybe I'm going off on a tangent here. Pull me back if I'm wrong. Barbell training, you know, the old powerlifting bodybuilding training. For a guy, you walk in, you bench press, and you go in for the first day. And I got a story about my first day of bench pressing. I don't want to share it because I want to hold myself high. But you bench press and you bet, you know, you're barely moving the bar. You know, you got some little weight on there and you're struggling. You go in the next couple of days, you're doing it. And guess what happens? Your bench press gets stronger. You are start adding more weight. Now, was it because your muscles grew? No, it's because your brain was actually starting to understand the what you were doing and was able to respond and adapt to the demands of the bench press. But if you're Corey and you're not very smart and you just keep trying to climb up this mountain without any kind of special periodization, and I don't want to talk too much about periodization, but let's call it like cross training. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm trying to lift as much as I can with a barbell. Well, we hit what we call plateaus. Now the plateau is a neural thing. It's not a muscle thing. Your brain has gotten tired. It's not tired. It's gotten bored. You're doing the same thing over and over again. Your brain is like a little kid. It wants to be always like played with and stimulated. It wants to be all over the board. So if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, the brain's going to get bored and it's not going to give you what you need. So you're trying to push that plateau. You're trying to add more weight. You're trying to do this. No, you know, it'd be a better thing. And let's stick with the barbell bench press. Take two dumbbells, lay in your back and bar, bar or dumbbell press. Like you would a bench press with a barbell, but use dumbbells. That's going to change the game. It seems very similar, but your brain is like, holy cow, there's a new thing going on. And now it has to create more stability because you have two independent implements and the brain's excited. And even though, so this is the problem with most guys, including myself, is we don't like to do dumbbells because we can't lift as heavy as dumbbells. Well, why is that? <laughs> you know, it's like, that should kind of make you think for a second, like, why can't I lift heavier? If I can bench 200 pounds, 300 pounds, why can I only bench or use like 280 pound dumbbells or whatever it is, you know, like it's always going to be significantly less than your barbell. That should kind of get you thinking. But if you took some time off of the barbell and you changed the way you did it in regards to two dumbbells. I remember that one time training wise, I had you using one dumbbell and you put your body half off the bench. That's a huge stimulus right there. Your body, your brain has to respond to that because if you don't create that stiffness and that stability, well, you're going to fall down and you're going to have a dumbbell on top of your face. Nobody wants that. So this all of a sudden now this, you have to learn how to move more efficiently with the dumbbells. You have to have that motor control. You have to have the right muscles turning on and the right muscles turning off at the same time to be efficient. Well, this is the beautiful thing of what we introduce people to fitness lying down is obviously you can tell that I have no shortage of words. So <laughs> when I talk to people, 
Because I've worked, Caroline, with enough people that it's almost like I know what they want. I, I know they want to hear this stuff and they want permission. So I tell them, I'm like, do you have to lift a lot of weight? And they're like, well, to get strong, I think so. I'm like, you don't. I'm like, I don't. And all of a sudden I start talking about how we change the variables, right? This is what we talk about with our system of training here with DVRT and what we use at FLD, fitness lying down, is let's just say, for instance, you're standing tall and you're pressing a bag over your head, whatever, whatever the implement is, but I like to use the bag. Bags are resting on your fist, both feet are flat on the ground, and you're pressing and whatever the weight of the bag is. And you're struggling because guess what? Just like you struggle with the bench press, your brain is trying to figure out what's going on. How can I create the energy I need being grounded with your feet into the floor because the press is actually not about what's going on with the arms. Efficiency is what's going on through the body. So as you're learning, that's what I love about our style of fitness is it's not just a grip and rip. It's not just a get going. You have to actually understand what your body's doing. You have to have this self-awareness of your body in space. And what is more magical than that when you're trying to get people to be stronger outside the gym, that they have this spatial awareness of where their body is. You know, because the human the human experience is supposed to be coordinated. You're supposed to have coordination. And a lot of people don't have that. So we try to give them that in a controlled environment. So all of a sudden, when they're outside and all bets are off, they're more resilient. They're better prepared for life's curveballs. Now, they're pressing that bag over their head. And just like in any gym talk, they're like, well, this is getting easier. Well, is it? Okay. I should go heavier. Should you? Well, should I? I mean, that's the answer. I should go heavier or maybe I should go faster. I'm like, how about this? Let's use the same weight and let's bring you from a standing position to both knees on the ground. So we're going to cut your stability. We're going to cut your, your ability to create more power. Now you have to be efficient pressing the bag over your head. It's going to be the same bag that you used before, but it's going to be, I promise you, it's going to feel five to 10 pounds heavier. It's going to be harder to press because your body has to learn once again, how to be efficient. And then we go to a different body position. Maybe we go to what we call a half kneeling, one knee on the ground, one foot. Now we have no more plateaus. Out of eight years of owning this gym, I've never had anybody complain that they're at a plateau or that they're bored. And we've had clients, I'm, I'm handing out like eight-year t-shirts this year. We've got five years. We've got a lot of three years. People are always amazed at how long they stay here. That's our, that's our goal is sustainability. A lot of fitness is not sustainable. You can do it for about six weeks before you either get bored, injured, or both. And then you have to move on to a new program. Well, that doesn't help with consistency. That doesn't help with your goals. Like if my goal is to be here, but I have to take a few months off every now and then because I'm injured or I'm bored or I'm just trying to shop around, it doesn't work very well. So by offering them the ability to, to find strength. Now, what is that strength? That's efficiency. Again, it's not about how much you can lift. And we move like all the seven movement patterns that we talk about three planes of motion. I mean, nose to toes. That's what we talk about when you come to our gym. Like every day is nose to toes days. We're going to train the whole body as it should, not, not compartmentalizing, not isolating, but integrating. And people, you know, we have a great environment here, no doubt. I mean, shoot, we have a picture of Mr. Miyagi on our wall. Like how much cooler is that? Like we have a lot of fun. Would you mind defining for the listeners what the seven movement patterns are? Because I think a lot of people know about if they know about movement patterns, which unfortunately a lot of people do not, but if they do, they maybe know about four. And I think that the other three, a lot of times people, or maybe four or five, let's say, but the last two are sometimes overlooked. So if you could just define those real quick. Love to, love to. Um, so seven movement patterns. Some people will tell you differently that there's this and that. It's like, nope, they're wrong. Right. <laughs> um, 
sorry, I pride. Remember, so we have a squat pattern. So we celebrate squats in October, squat-tober. We have the hinge. So the hinge is going to be bending over, right? When you lift something up, your, your deadlifts, anybody that's listening to those exercises. So we have squats, we have hinges, we have lunges. I mean, the human experience, you have to lunge. Uh, that's your transition from the ground up. After lunging, you have a push, a press, you have a pull. And then we have what we call rotation and anti-rotation. We kind of put them together. So you can either rotate or not rotate, but focus on the anti-rotation, which is important. And then the thing that makes us most uniquely human is walk. We have a gait pattern, G-A-I-T. This is your, you know, you're walking to and fro, you're running. Any kind of locomotion would fall under that gait pattern. Excellent. So, yeah, so this is really good. I, I think a lot of people don't understand really what strength is, and I love how you explained it. Strength is, okay, yes, moving load is part of can be part of strength having bigger muscles can potentially make you stronger but ultimately what strength is is it's the efficiency of your nervous system to coordinate movement so you're either moving an object or in a lot of the exercises that we're talking about you're actually resisting movement and that is also strength so you have some sort of force acting on you let's say from the side or a rotational force and if your goal is to like stay straight ahead like that's also an expression of strength so just adding weight all the time it can work for a while especially if you're younger <laughs> um you're not as beat up maybe but eventually you will hit these plateaus that Corey's talking about and over the years i've come to realize that for most people who are not com trying to compete in a strength sport just trying to do to do the things that you need to continue just adding weight to the bar like that is a full-time thing like Corey said and for a lot of people it's just not going to feel that great on your joints so having other ways to progress is going to be beneficial and furthermore especially with the pandemic a lot of people were like okay i'm training at home i mean in chicago where i live gyms were closed for four months i know it was less elsewhere so people were like how can I continue to get better without just adding weight? Because most people don't have a full gym with like a bunch of dumbbells and power racks and stuff at home. And this is one thing that I really loved about doing this DVRT, which is a, it's a system of training. I should say it's not only about the sandbags because actually you can use the principles of DVRT with like lots of pieces of equipment. But I really love the emphasis on like small, almost micro progressions in how do we hold the weight on our body? How do we change our body position to make it harder? And when you start to think about these things in your training, it just opens up like a whole world of potential for you, like Corey said. Now now you don't just have like six exercises that you know how to do right you have those six exercises with like 20 30 40 variations and there's just so much room to progress and grow and challenge your body in different ways so it just makes it makes sense to me because that's how my brain works i like like systems and progressions and regressions and stuff but i just think it makes training more fun and it gives you a lot more options and you don't have to feel like like i felt at one point where it's like okay i cannot add any more weight to my you know back squat and i'm sure if i had trained like a powerlifter and done all the crazy like schemes and stuff that they did maybe i could progress that but like why do that when <laughs> i could have more fun and probably build better all-around strength doing all of these other types of training and that's like something that it took me a while to realize but i definitely embrace it with my clients now and like i want people to increase weight if it makes sense but i also know that there's like so many other ways to build strength you don't just have to go up in weight and keep like bashing yourself over the head with you know trying to set a new pr every week like i used to do stupidly back when i was like <laughs> you know 20 years old 
I don't even know why you had me on. Like what you just said in the last 10 minutes, well, not even 10 minutes, like whatever you said in the last three minutes is pretty much everything I was trying to like verbally vomit out in like 30 minutes. I'm just reflecting what you said. You know, you said it well that I, I summarized it. You did it a great job summarizing. It. And I'll be <laughs> oh, honest. So like, you know, we talk about now adding weight is, is a variable, right? So there's nothing wrong with adding weight. Don't, I don't want people, because as you become more confident and as you become more efficient in your strength, and you go through all these different progressions and regressions, like what are, come on, let's be honest. Like everything else in life, we have to progress through. Like you don't just show up in kindergarten and be like, hey, here's your calculus. I mean, you have to learn the basics before you move on up. But for some reason, we all think that, well, I can, I can bench press, so I should do it. It's like, well, should you though? Like there's other things you should be doing before you get to that level, you know, whatever that level is. I, I don't know why I keep going to bench press because it's, it's a stupid exercise. <laughs> you love bench press. I know I, it's Corey's favorite exercise. I hate exercise. bench presses for so many reasons. <laughs> but it's, and so we tell people when they show up, it's like, listen, we're going to start you. We have made a square one position where it's like, you're going to start at level one and you're going to progress your way out. There's no time to, like you, you do it when you want to do it and we're going to know it. You, it's based on you and your comfortableness of learning how to move well. And when we feel like you're at that point, then yes, we will make that progression. And the nice thing is, is those progressions are really small in intensity. So you think about, again, bench pressing, you show up, you show up day one, you do hundred pounds and like, that's a victory, right? Whoever you are, whatever your weight is, but then you come in the next day and you're going to jump up two, three times more the weight. That's a huge jump in progressions and weight. So when I see people on the social media, trying to show people how to do single leg deadlifts, and, they, and you actually, I like that. I literally just did a I post. I saw well, that. People listening to this, it will be a few weeks ago, but I just did a post on uh, building up to single leg deadlifts yesterday. And that was brilliant because there's actually a good healthy way if you want to go with the arithmetic thing about learning the steps so that you can confidently go. Because going from two feet on the ground and doing a hinge, a deadlift, and then moving to a single leg, that would be the synonymous to jumping up your weights two to three times in, in weight. Like that's, that's ridiculous. You would never do that. So you get people that say like, hey, I can do a single leg deadlift. And you watch them, you're like, that's not a single leg deadlift. That's, that's surviving. That's, that's, not, that's not owning the movement pattern. That's just waving around and thinking you're doing something. And it kind of reminds me of that meme back in the day. It's like, what I think I'm doing, what other people think I'm doing, what my mom thinks I'm doing. It's like, what you think you're doing is not what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, that's too, if you go to a gym, like maybe you live in lacrosse, you're lucky enough to go to Corey's gym or you're shopping around for coaches or trainers. Like I would say that a sign of a good trainer is someone who can progress and especially regress movements and like regress it just enough. So it's not like, okay, we're going like way too far back. So then you as a client feel like, you know, what the heck, like, I'm here to work out like I'm not here to just stretch and foam roll or whatever, but coaches that are able to like change the movement a little bit and meet you where you're at or, you know, vice versa, you're like Corey said, you're doing something that's like too, a little too easy. They can make it just enough harder that you're you're still engaged in making progress. I would say that that's a sign that you're working with a good coach for anybody who's who's listening. I think that's really important. I agree with that. So I want to shift gears a little. So I'm curious about how you coach or how you speak with, or I guess both people that come to you with pain, because pain obviously is really complex and also very misunderstood. I think there's like a, a few things going on in fitness. First of all, you have people that 
don't understand that there's a problem maybe <laughs> they think like well my shoulder hurts but like i'm supposed to go to crossfit and do like 100 snatches or whatever and they just do it until it becomes a serious problem on the flip side you also have people who i think are really maybe afraid of pain for a variety of reasons and they think like i'm hurting so i shouldn't do anything you know there's like a lot of different places that people might come to you but i know for me for my clients like i work with a lot of musicians and artists and like sometimes people are maybe they have like shoulder pain or they have some discomfort and that's actually what brings them to training and they might have some various apprehensions or preconceived notions about how fitness fits into that so like what do you do when you have people that come to you they have you know they've been cleared to exercise whatever but maybe they have some pain or they have some uneasiness around pain or past injury like how do you deal with that at your gym i know that's kind of a big question it's but... a big question <laughs> you know you're gonna give me the cliff notes or the just maybe like a little bit about your general philosophy and approach i mean did you hear how long it took me just to tell you about my gym <laughs> uh, so when it comes to pain now pain there's a signal the pain is real but a lot of times it's what we'd call neuroplastic pain you have your brain kind of gets in the way and maybe amplifies that signal more. Maybe there's nothing wrong with you. Um, I heard a cool little study about the fact that people are doing MRIs. All these people, um, actually not all, but they're all MRI'd and everybody had a spinal issue somehow, some way. You know, some people had a bulging disc, some people had a herniation, this, that. Half the group was actually asymptomatic. So how does that work that everybody has a low back something, but half of them don't even know it? And the other half are just like writhing in pain. So with that, there's a lot of brain stuff that goes on. Now, thanks to DVRT, we have a setup where it's like, we don't have to do something. So if somebody tells me that bending over hurts their back, I'm not going to have them bend over first day. Like, that's a stupid move. I'm trying to feed my family and pay my staff. I'm not trying to get fired. So if, and I tell them, I'm like, well, then we're going to make sure that we don't do that right now. Now, notice I didn't say we're not going to ever do that. We're just not going to do it right now. And I give them, I just, I have, and I'm going to tell you what, Caroline, the secret is the people that have pain are the easiest people to work with, mm. bar none, because you don't have to do a lot of stuff. And if you can get them just to minimize or be free of pain for a little bit because of what you did, that's going to be all they want. And they're like, holy cow, I've been here, here, and here. Nobody's ever helped my pain. I came here. My pain's not here anymore. Like, that's insane. And what we do is we we learn how the human body actually moves and how everything is so integrated. So a lot of your listeners, I don't know if they know this, but, you know, your, your shoulder pain in your right side might be a cause because of a left foot or a left knee injury somewhere else. Like, the, I heard it once said that the the victim screams louder than the criminal. You know, so where the, where the pain is, like what the culprit is, is not actually the signal what you're getting. Like you just get this somewhere. And a lot of it too, let's be honest, a lot of pain comes from stress. You know, you think about people that have like gut issues when they're stressed out, you know, maybe they have GI problems. Maybe they just like, you know, the stomach thing. This is the same for low back. This is the same for neck problems. If you start feeling stressed out, your body goes back to some of this neuroplastic pain. And like, cause I talk to people that have low back pain and they're just like, I'm like, what's going on in your life right now? And they're like, well, my kids are getting married, you know, or something, this and that. And I'm like, how is that? Is that pretty stressful? Like, oh, yeah. It's like, okay. I mean, because you didn't do anything to your back, did you? No, I mean, I, it just started hurting. So usually when you have that, those are red flags. Now, I'm just talking about because when you know this stuff, you can actually work with people better. 
And I'm going to tell you the one thing that you want to interject as much as you can tastefully is humor. You want to have fun because if you can start making them feel more comfortable, because if they start coming into a gym, which for a lot of people can be a stressful situation because they've never been in a gym or maybe they've had a bad experience in a gym. And all of a sudden the brain's like, oh boy, what are we doing? And all that nervousness, all that anxiety starts to like, my back's hurting a little bit. And it, the crazy thing about like neuroplastic pain. So, I mean, if you get in an accident and you wreck your knee, that's not neuroplastic, right? But if nothing ever happened to you really, that's going to be more neural. Or even like for people listening, if you did have some sort of actual injury, but it's recovered and you've been like cleared by doctors and stuff, you can have like the lingering pain and that is more in your nervous system than in the actual tissue, which has actually healed. Correct. And so that's the thing is, but your brain will start amplifying like fear and pain feed off of each other. So all of a sudden the fear increases, the pain increases, which makes the fear even higher. Cause like, why is my back hurting more? Oh no. And so it's just like, it's a cyclical thing. So you got to break that cycle. And so first of all, we take the pressure off here. If somebody says they come in and let's just talk about like low back pain, that's usually a big one. Well, low back pain for me is the easiest thing. I, I mean, I'm dealing with people right now that have low back pain. They're new to our gym and they think we're miracle workers because like my back doesn't hurt anymore. It's like so easy though. I mean, it's like, that's the problem is I don't have to use a lot of complex exercises. I just have to create intentional movements hands and feet, as we talked about the feet being very important. So as we teach them being on the ground, grabbing onto an implement and being smart with our exercise uh, selections too. If they got hurt bending over to pick something up again, fear drives that correct. So we don't want to, we don't want to replicate that right now. We want them to be comfortable in the environment. You know, we want to have the reason why we like to have music sometimes is because people can kind of get into the music. They, they stop thinking about the pain. They're like, I like this song. You know, you crack a joke. They laugh a little bit. That takes away some of that fear. And before you know it, they're like, wow, my back doesn't hurt anymore. And so that's how we deal with pain. And then we just kind of, as we're going through, because experience really tells us a lot of stuff. And as we're going through with people, we find out like, okay, we've gained their trust. They understand that we have an idea of what we're doing. So when I start introducing a hinge pattern, like, a you know, usually what I like to do is in the DVRT system, I don't want to bore your audience, but we have deadlifts. So you lift the thing up off the ground, right? So a sandbag, let's say you're picking the sandbag up off the floor, deadlift. Well, because they have that, that neural reminder of like, remember what happened when you lifted that weight up off the ground, how you hurt your back. So we'll put the, we'll give them a smaller bag and put it in their, what we call front loaded position. So it's in the, in the crook of their arms across their chest. And even though it's a higher progression in regards to DVRT, Having the implement, having that sandbag across their chest as they go to that same hip hinge. So I know I'm limited because of the audio part and not the video. But if you can think about like hugging a bag to your chest and bending over for a lot of people, they don't see this being the same. They feel more in control. And then we cue the hands and the feet. We cue all this stuff. Like and we keep it as simple as we can. And they bend over and they come back up. They're like, that actually felt pretty good. You got to get the brain out of the way. So as much as the brain's really integral in all the movement, sometimes it's a little bit of a, a nuisance and we just have to calm the brain down. And that's, that's how we deal with pain. So shoulder pain too. I mean, I can't tell you how many people come in like my shoulder hurts. I'm like, well, let's do some overhead presses. And they're like, maybe you didn't hear me. My shoulder hurts. I'm like, great. Let's do some overhead presses. And then when they do the overhead presses our way and they find out it's not an arm exercise, they're like, that didn't hurt my shoulder. I'm like, huh? 
How bizarre. <laughs> you know, and I got knee pain. Well, let's do some squats. No, maybe you didn't hear me. I've got knee pain. Let's do some squats. And then we show them our squats. We show them how we actually create a squat to honor their natural movement pattern. We're not limited by squat exercises. We encompass the movement pattern and we give them what they need. All of a sudden they do their first squat and they're like, that didn't hurt my knee. And it's like, well, yeah, I, I know. I told you. <laughs> so and I do have to stress to people, like if you have pain, try to find a little humor um, because that really helps out well. If you have pain anywhere, recognize that pain, right? The one thing that you should do is you should actually be kind of, and I know this could be a struggle with people that have pain. I, I used to suffer from low back pain, but it's the fact of name that pain to some degree. Like, okay, uh, I'm having a little low back pain right now. Well, just sit with it for a second. What's the pain sensation? Is it burning? Is it tingling? Is it moving? Be curious about it. Recognize it. Make sure it's outcome independent. Like you're not trying to solve, you're not trying to cure yourself, but you're just like, oh, because that helps the brain realize that, okay. And kind of let your brain know that this isn't normal and then walk away from it. And then if it comes again, just recognize a little bit. And you're going to find out slowly as you do this, you're going to realize that it's actually in your brain. And when your brain can identify it and you can lose the stress and the fear of the pain, pain goes away. It's really, it's really a cool thing. And I mean, it's, and again, there's a lot of people in different areas. So we never want to say it's all in your head, even though it kind of is, but you have a signal. That signal is real. And it's how you react to that signal that makes a big difference. So in the fitness world, that's what we do. No, that's so good. I mean, there's so there's like a few things, right? I mean, there I love that you mentioned stress because there is this whole biopsychosocial model of pain and bio is only one part of that, obviously. Right. So a lot of times like life circumstances can exacerbate these issues. But yeah, it's a I like the approach of like, okay, what first of all, what can we do? Because there's all, especially with a system like you guys use and, and like I, I try to use as well, there's so many things that you can do at the gym. Like you can almost always still work out, right? Like I have a client, um, she has a lot of chronic pain. She actually just got her knee replaced in September and she's had kind of a slow recovery, but she still comes to the gym and she, so she has a knee, knee issues, low back and shoulder, <laughs> all of it mm -hmm. um, for mm -hmm. a variety of reasons. But, but she still comes in, she has a good attitude and there's like lots of stuff that we can do so for the first of all there's that and then there's the idea of like building sort of supporting strength so you know you mentioned like an issue might be elsewhere in the body i think people have gotten better at understanding this like if my knee hurts it's not necessarily my knee but they think okay it's my hip or my foot but sometimes it can be even farther away in the body so that's why doing this type of training that like integrates your entire body is very helpful and then eventually desensitizing the pain signal by like doing well increasing mindfulness like you said and then like sort of doing the thing within a range that's not so bad. Like, it's funny you mentioned the hinge because I actually have another client who um, it, it aggravated her lower back outside the gym and she came in to train. We were doing a bunch of like, uh, like core types of things, whatever, for a few weeks. And then when we did reintroduce hinges, we literally did a uh, good morning with a light sandbag and she was able to do that. And then after that, she felt fine. So like looking for ways to get stronger and learn more about your body and also looking for ways to like desensitize that signal from your brain is a really helpful approach. So we are sort of running low on time with lots of good conversation here, but I did want to ask you like a kind of a final question before I have you share your information with listeners. Like we've kind of touched on this a little, but what are some things that you wish people knew more about? We could say strength training in general, or we could make it more specific to like the type of training that you do at your gym. Cause I know sometimes 
maybe people are lifting, but they see the sandbag videos or they see the interesting band and kettlebell stuff and they're like, what is this? Like, this can't possibly work, you know, to get me stronger or build muscle or whatever. And I'm curious, like, what do you want people to know about training that you think maybe they don't quite understand or there's some misconceptions? Well, okay, we, we should be honest. I mean, even as fitness professionals, we have those days where we don't want to train. I mean, there's just, you know, but of course, nobody ever leaves a training session and says, boy, I'm glad, you know, or nobody ever skips a training session and says, boy, I'm really glad I skipped that session, right? Because there's always all the, the benefits of training, strength training, um, resistance training. Uh, but the one thing is, I want people to understand that training doesn't have to be mundane. You don't have to keep going in and doing the same thing over and over again. And there's so many more factors and variables to, as we mentioned earlier, increasing and decreasing the intensity of a, a drill that you don't have to always be striving for the weight and try not to do a lot of high volume, you know, like a lot of people. And when I say high volume, it's always exercise relative, but you know, if you're starting to hit like 15s and twenties and 30 reps of an exercise, you're going, it's not enough. Like you're not using enough load and don't be scared about load because load is actually great for feedback purposes. Um, for instance, some exercises, it's good to go a little heavier because then your body has to do the right thing to move the load. If you're just using a light load and you're just kind of going through the motions, you're wasting your time. And if you're working with a, a trainer, you're wasting their time too, or more importantly, they're probably wasting your time. When I got introduced to DVRT, I mean, it was like the, the, the student was ready and the teacher appeared because all this stuff that I do now, man, I tell you what, 15 years ago, I would have just like laughed at all this and called it stupid. And I know a lot of people out there do that because they don't understand. And I would say be open and be docile. Now, docility is not a bad thing. Docile is open to suggestions. You're open to ideas. You're, you're willing to be taught. That's docility. And especially for the fitness professionals out there, because I think, I think your general pop people, when it comes to fitness, they want to find somebody that knows what they're talking about. They want to learn about this because they're the ones that are so invested in it. But for the fitness professionals out there, don't be so sensitive. <laughs> like if somebody has constructive criticism, that's a great thing. You should take that and you should always question yourself. Like if you're, and this is just in general, like you should always question what you're doing. So if you're there, if you're by yourself and you're a general pop person, just meaning you're the lay person in fitness, you're not a, a fitness professional and you're making your workout, question that workout. Ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why do I have this exercise? And if it's like, cause I like that exercise. Okay. That's great. That's a good, yeah, that's a good start. But if you have no reason to understand why that exercise is in your program, start asking questions, you know, and I know it's so tricky. Like social media is so good for so many reasons, but then it also does offer a lot of manure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trying to keep a PG. Sorry. I'm not, and I don't swear. So I know I, I was going to say, you know, I swear you can swear, but I know you don't swear anyway. So it's totally fine. I, 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 I try to find other terminology. <laughs> But there is a lot of garbage out in social media and to, who to reach out to. I mean, that's that's a great question because we're all putting content out there. And the unfortunate thing is the people that I find that have the best content don't have all the followers. Maybe I'm just like whining about myself. Like, I don't have enough followers. I don't look for followers. To be honest with you, I've never have. Like when we started doing videos for Fitness Line Down back in the day, I made the videos because they're just fun to make. And if anybody wanted to follow it, that's great. My podcast, I put my podcast out there. I'm not really doing it. Like, I hope I got a few people that listen. That's great. But I'm not, I'm just having a good time. So be docile and question yourself all the time, whether you're a fitness professional or whether you're not. Why am I doing this? Those are great questions to ask. Like, 
always enters like that, that third grader. That's always like, why, 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 why are we doing this? Why, why, you know, but because when you keep questioning yourself, you keep growing, you keep learning because if that question is, it can be answered by, I don't know, well, maybe you should figure it out. So yeah, training doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to suck. It doesn't have to leave you burned and dead for days. If you're getting that, start questioning. Why is this happening? Is it too much volume? Is it the exercises? Is it my trainer? Should I find another trainer? Should I do this or that? Should I talk to my trainer? Please have an open conversation with your trainer. I love it when clients ask me questions. Most of the time I do have an answer that's for some reason logical. It makes sense. And if I don't, I'm the first one to admit, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to find out for you. Be curious. Just whoever you are, wherever you are, continue to be curious. Love it. Yeah, that's, in my opinion, another sign of a good trainer. So sometimes clients don't care. Um, actually, another coach of mine, he has a framework um, where he calls them what, why, and how people. And the what people are the people that just come to the gym and they're like, I don't care what we're doing. Just tell me what to do. I get some of those people. Then you get the why people who want to know why you're doing everything and they're very curious. And then you get the how people, which are people that are more like relational driven and they want to hang out with good people and be friendly and stuff like that. And most of us are a mix of all of these, but regardless of where you tend to fall, like if you ask your trainer a question or you have a program, like they should be able to tell you why something's in there. And if they can't, or if they're just like, oh, well, we're just trying to get your heart rate up. That's like my favorite answer. <laughs> it's like a meaningless answer in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, then it doesn't necessarily mean they're a bad trainer, but maybe they don't quite have the grasp and understanding that they could or they will later in their career. So anyways, if a trainer can tell you exactly why something's in your program and give you a good answer for it, that's also probably another sign that you have a good trainer. For so. sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Corey. I really enjoyed this conversation. Same. Where can listeners find out more about you? I know you have a podcast, you have a gym. Where do you want to direct people? Yeah, you can find me on the socials. Um, fitness Lying Down. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. Uh, if you want to follow my personal thing, it's Corey M. Cripe. You can find my podcast. Usually it comes out. There's only, after about a year and a half, there's only one week I missed. That's pretty good. I did it on purpose. I thought it was pretty good. That's the Fitness Line Down podcast. You can find that on wherever you get your episodes. Uh, we just have an amazing episode that dropped today with Josh Hankin from DVRT talking about power training. Uh, very great conversation. So, yeah, socials, fitness line down. I mean, we have our webpage. Just just search amazing fitness program. Just kidding. Um, yep, fitness line down. Fitness line down everywhere pretty much that you want to look, you'll, you'll find, find it. it. And then you'll usually awesome. see me. But I I actually recommend people see fitness line down because when you go to my page, you're going to expect to see some guy that knows what he's doing. But when you go see our page as a business, our company, our gym, you see real people doing these things. And I'm always, again, I know we're running on time. I'm always amazed, like people that own a gym, but they only put themselves in there. Like I expect if I have my personal page, you're going to see me doing these exercises. I don't want to put myself in my gym because I want to demonstrate, I want to show people how other people can do this. And I'm always just flabbergasted by people that own a gym and it's just them doing the exercises. So if you want to see real people doing real cool things, go to the fitness line down on the socials and you'll see us. Yeah, definitely recommend it. All right. Well, thank you again, Corey. And thank you to all the listeners. I will see you guys on the next episode. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Building Stronger Creatives. If something you heard resonated with you, I would love for you to share this episode with someone else who might enjoy it. I also always appreciate comments, ratings, and reviews. These things help me get the word out to other creatives who could benefit from this type of information. 
See you back on the next episode. Until then, stay curious, stay passionate, and stay strong.